The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. This is Rev. Jackie, and we are live from the Tower at Unity Village. So thrilled to be on campus again during this pandemic lockdown. It's a rare occasion for me. But I also have back in the studio Tammy Rising. Thank you for joining us again for Part 2, Practicing Principle During the Time of COVID. Thrilled to be back. So, I mean, I'm just going to let our <laughs> listeners know we're both a little <laughs> verklempt, <laughs> a little teary-eyed. I uh, asked mm-hmm. my coworkers again, as they shared with us last week, their guilty pleasures or not so guilty pleasures in terms of snacks and habits, hobbies that they've picked up during this uh, time of working from home. Today, I asked them to share what has been most challenging in terms of family life and work life during this time. And so we just read through those and it, it got us kind of verklempt. But more on that later. Tammy, let's start with, we'll give a quick review of what we talked about in terms of action steps from last week. And then we've got a a clip to play because we got cut off right at the end of last week's episode with Val Mackey had called in and asked about teenagers and if we had any advice or thoughts about what to do with teens. And we're going to play a clip on that in just a minute. But let's start with reviewing our action steps from last week. Do you remember what they are? To name the feeling. Yes, name the feeling. Name the feeling, whatever it is that we're feeling in the moment. Sometimes that takes some practice if we're not used to already having that practice. Yes. It takes us, you know, pausing, uh, taking a deep breath and just checking in with ourselves and identifying, you know, what is it I'm really feeling and giving ourselves the permission to be honest about that with ourselves first and then with those around us. Yeah, and especially when there are so many feelings, new <laughs> so feelings, many. so many feelings, like <laughs> uh, the list goes on and on. But yeah, we got to name the feelings. And, you know, that helps us to quantify the feelings. So like, is this feeling that is this big, scary feeling? If I can name it, maybe that sort of deflates it a little bit and, and helps it to not feel so overbearing. And then we talked about shifting the perspective. Right. So shifting the perspective about, you know, what it is that, um, like, I recently been talking about shifting the perspective of from thinking about what it is that we can't do right now, the restrictions that we have. And we all know what those are. You don't need me to repeat those for you right now. But to focus the perspective on what it is that we can do right now. You know, we can take control over, you know, the, the way we take care of ourselves. We can... Um, we can have relationships with people. It just looks different, and we can name the feeling about that. That's that's sad, or that you know, I have a feeling of grief about that. And what we can do is, you know, find new and creative ways to um, maintain those relationships, or even build them at this time. Yeah, and we talked about the shifting that perspective too. That it's not happening to us; it's happening for us. So that we could really elevate that uh, divine power within, and that that power within to to sort of formulate and craft what our new reality is. Right? That it's not just something happening to us, and we're victims of that experience, but that we can step into our personal power and and be part of of what the of creating what the experience looks like. Within the given restrictions. 
Right. Well, I shared that perspective before because I was on the other side of it, too, just starting out in COVID, feeling like a victim, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening to me. And, you know, I I felt I didn't feel like I I wasn't giving myself a, a sense of empowerment. So I started looking at it from the perspective of if there's a gift in this for me, um, what could it be? Yeah. Beautiful. You know, there was a post um, last week by a local Presbyterian minister, and I want to share it because the quote that uh, he shared is so profound and by one of my favorite uh, writers and and spiritual gurus, I'll say Henry Nowen. But what he said was, it is so hard to wait, especially when the rules keep changing and the outcome of our waiting is completely unknown. And so he quotes Henry Nowen and and profound thoughts on waiting to wait open-endedly is an enormously radical attitude toward life. So is it to trust that something will happen to us that is far beyond our imaginings. So too is giving up control over our future and letting God define our life, trusting that God molds us according to God's love and not according to our fear. The spiritual life is a life in which we wait, actively present to the moment, trusting that new things will happen to us, new things that are far beyond our own imagination, fantasy, or prediction. That, indeed, is a very radical stance toward life in a world preoccupied with control. And that's Henry Nowen from A Spirituality of Waiting. Wow, so Pastor Craig, the Presbyterian minister that posted that, said, let us wait in our new reality, whatever that may be for each of us. We have never been asked to stop living just to live differently than we have ever done before. Trust the one who has always had everything under control. And I love that. And even though the quote by Henry Nowen you know, says happening to us, happening to us, what he's describing is happening for us. Right? He's describing that, looking for the gift and, and trusting um, you know, sort of the destiny in, in this experience. We don't know the destiny of this experience right now. Ah, come on. That's horrible. I know. I feel like uh, my daughter, Maddie Rose, with her fists, you know, just clenched. And this morning before she went to school, she, she had her fist clenched and her arms straight. And she says, I'm red, Mommy. I'm red. Because yes. I sing a song to her at night. Uh, you know, it talks about feelings and talks about uh, when you're mad in your head and you're feeling red and so she was feeling very red today (laughs) naming that feeling (laughs) and so she is and so this is her second week back to school which has been a change for us at home and then today we wanted to talk about some of that deeper we're going to go a little deeper we talked a lot about family last week um, even though we had designated this episode for that but I think we're going to take it a little deeper um, to talk about family and also work relationships because those tend to be you know our most pervasive experiences and relationships in life and And so, therefore, are the most impacted by what's happening right now. So I I do want to pick up, though, with that call from last week, the question about how I want to do for teenagers. And and I think the reason Val asked is not that we are experts on teenagers, but we do have two in the house. And so uh, Josie is 17. Jamie is 15. So I've had teenagers for, you know, four years now. And, man, it is something. So on a regular day in the life of parenting a teen – it's challenging to know, you know, to find that balance of allowing them to begin to take personal responsibility and, and liberty for their lives and also knowing that their brains are still not fully developed and, you know, they're just inherently 
don't have the skills to make good decisions, even though we have the mantra, make good choices, which I started last week with Maddie when she went back to school to make good choices. <laughs> they're like going to start her young on that. And my kids are great. They do make good choices. And, you know, they're still teenagers. And so some of those, you know, choices are made on, you know, different information or, or values, we could even say. So um, I, I pulled up a clip, though, that we did have on our show early on in this COVID experience. I had my daughter Josie on the show and uh, Diane Vincero from UWM, who um, offers programming for YOU, Youth of Unity. And then I also had um, a psychologist on the show who works with teenagers. And so let's hear, Louie, let's, let's play that clip. It's about a minute long. Because families are getting stressed in different ways, like you said dishes are piling up um we're all in one space and we're all trying to do our work um and how families are dividing up workloads and how they're finding space for their kids but finding time to press the pause button and check out where we all are because everyone's in a different place right now um i have some kids who you know their parents have done a great job helping regulate and regulate their own response to this because there is so much uncertainty and vulnerability right now in our world and kids take a cue from their parents on how their parent is responding to the news the experience um, how elevated and how anxious is their parent because kids feed off of that and kind of read the cues so when parents take a second to push pause and kind of breathe um, and recognize, okay, this is anxiety, this is fear, this is uncertainty, and kind of make a little bit of room for that And in the space. Like, okay, this is what I'm having. This is what this is. And this isn't a good time to go into, um, you know, finding out how my kid is doing with online school. So parents are taking time to kind of check themselves and get into a better place before they're going into hard conversations or stressful conversations about roles and responsibility or schoolwork. Um, so I appreciate that you guys have kind of, you know, paused to make, to make a list of how do we do this together. And so that's Bridget Gardner, mental health consultant. And she was just so wonderful with Josie on the show. And Josie was really great, you know, sharing what that's like being a teen. But I appreciate that, you know, what she's inviting us to do with teens are some of what we talked about in terms of the pause, you know, stopping and naming the feelings. And, you know, she's inviting parents to model that. So it's, you know, and I think that speaks to whenever anyone is in a traumatic circumstance or stressful situation, we tend to, um, I don't want to say devolve, but we go to that more protective, you know, fight or flight uh, part of our brain and, and also survival mode. And so, which, you know, that's right where the teens are, right? They are, they live in that, in that uh, part of the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not a teen, but uh, you know, she talked about the dishes piling up, you know, at the beginning of that clip. And, you know, I had a little bit of a meltdown. I'm glad with not around the teens about dishes piling up and, uh, and so I was unskillful with my sharing with Jackie around those dishes <laughs> that are getting piling, piled up. But I was glad that um, I had a pause, you know, before talking with the teens about it. Well, I mean, it's five people at home eating all meals and all snacks all day, every day. And, you know, the teenagers keep different hours than we do because they don't have to get up for work or school. And so 
it's, you know, not quite 24 hours a day that dishes are being used and, you know, stuff. So we had to, you know, create order around that. But I will say that in my, you know, very scientific poll among my coworkers, there was one person who mentioned uh, the dishes. And she says the quantity of dishes to wash is infuriating. And I happen to know that there are three people in her house. (laughs) (laughs) And not one of them is a teenager. So, you know, that gives me comfort that it's, it's not just us, that it's, you know, that's it's an adjustment, but it's, you know, and it is infuriating. And why? It's because it's that it's a signal of a place where we've lost control. And it's also a time suck in some ways, right? Of like having to spend time washing dishes and not all of them can go in the dishwasher. No, they can't. <laughs> so, we, you know, then you have to spend the time, you know, communicating and creating a plan. And it just, it becomes sort of insurmountable when you're having to recreate every aspect of your life. And while it's a small thing and in many ways benign, it can seem overwhelming and overbearing. Yeah, it did. It was feeling that way to me. <laughs> so she invites us to pause, to name the feelings, and and then and then that giving and then creating that space for the teens in the home to also do that and to and and that's they're building life skills as they're getting ready to step out into the world as adults. Um, you know, very incredible life skills to be able to develop those in the time of this pandemic. You know, I think that will stay with them in ways that it normally wouldn't have. They're being challenged in ways they're having to do the same things that we are in terms of reestablishing how they connect with other people, with their peers. Of course, they're used to connecting online and, you know, playing games, you know, Xbox and all that. And they can, you know, be on video and audio with their friends but it's still they still also miss that, you know, being in the presence of. There's just nothing like it. Right. And I snapped a really pretty a great picture of uh, Jamie and having a six foot picnic on the front lawn last week with yeah. a pal of hers. And it was um, I, my heart just felt so full seeing her. And she looked over at me in one of the pictures and they just had their little baggies full of, you know, sandwiches and snacks that um, her friend's mom had packed. And it was but they were being very responsible and, you know, he had his mask on and um, they were just having this lovely conversation sitting there on the green grass. Yeah. And I think we're going to do more of that. It's, you know, it's nicer that we're at a point where some of the restrictions are lifting and it still creates another opportunity for us to evaluate fear thinking and fear thoughts and weighing that against wisdom thoughts and wisdom thinking. And um, and that just continues to be, part for me, part of the marathon, the challenge of this time. And and then, of course, that, like, when I think, so if I answer the question that I asked to my coworkers about what has been most challenging, you know, in family life or work life, for me in family life, it has been all about that parenting teenagers. That's already hard to do. But in this, it's a, being in the constant sort of self-criticism and question of, am I giving them the support that they need? I don't know what I need. You know, there's the idea of, you know, put on your own mask before you assist those around you, which, of course, <laughs> refers to oxygen mask on an airplane. But in this case, you know, it's it still applies. It's like I need I don't even know how to take care of myself some days in this emotionally. And so how can I evaluate what they need? And it's it's that I think we've given some clear steps naming those feelings. And that begins to draw out the empowerment that this is not happening to us, this is happening for us, and I can bring all of that mindset forward for them so that 
they can also step into that. What what can I do? And so they had an opportunity. We were to create the, created the space for them to also complain about the dishes, and you know, and feeling like now. You know, before they were responsible for loading the dishwasher, but so they're really feeling that impact and rebelling against it. And so we together created a new plan for how we would handle dishes. And so that allowed them to feel part of the struggle. You know, we were all able to name it and acknowledge that it impacts all of us and then co-create a plan for it. And that worked really well for a few weeks. And then it kind of, you know, as things do, you know, they begin to have other priorities and you know and then but we've picked back up I think and have gotten back into a groove with that yeah we went into just an old routine the the, mm-hmm. the routine of before mm-hmm. you know and um perspective and mindfulness right now I think is supports me to continue to be mindful around this is where we're at this is the new routine this is the plan that we're in and it really um it's easy to go unconscious or as I like to say with with my clients go to sleep mm-hmm. you know it's easy to go to sleep to that because there's so much anxiety you know within me sometimes and um in the world and so it's easy to just kind of go to sleep to that and try to numb out from it and so I want to bring myself back into the present moment and as we were talking about a little bit last week breathe through that and remind ourselves of the new routine you know I used to be in yoga in a class with other people and there's a collective energy of being in a class where you're mindful together and you're breathing together and you're practicing being present in the moment while you're in a pose that's really difficult to hold. And that collective energy is really supportive to take the practices from the mat out into your life every day. I'm not in that routine right now. I've right. done it a couple of times. And so, you know, I have to... I, I want to bring that routine back in. I actually have created a plan that's on my calendar for this week. It wasn't on my calendar before. I didn't make space for it on my calendar. I had gone asleep to some of my self-care. Hmm. Yeah, this is a great opportunity to really increase, improve, resurrect self-care steps and, and to reimagine in some ways because the care we need now in some ways can be look differently. Like last week we talked about the snacks, you know, and where we might, for those of us who work outside of the home, typically we have, you know, a built-in snack system. (laughs) So part of my self-care was to like, you know, develop that for myself and, and then to manage and regulate that. Because the other thing is I don't have to get up between meetings and walk across campus or, you know, down the hall and across, you know, across another room to the conference room. So the... You know, I stopped counting steps. I stopped wearing my my Fitbit because it was, you know, destroying my self-esteem. And, you know, but that also becomes part of self-care is like now I have to mindfully build in movement. And uh, sometimes I do really well with that. I think at first I, I was doing really well. And lately, you know, it's been rainy and I'm tired and, you know, all these excuses. And I just want to relax and um so, you know, I stretch, but maybe not walk as much as I should. But that also impacts mood, right? When we caring for our physical beings impacts our mood, which impacts our relationships and whether that's at work or at home. So it becomes like something we have a lot more space for in regular life, I'll say, outside of pandemic life. Um, it becomes a closed bubble. 
is how I'm experiencing it. Like it's a smaller bubble. And so like you're talking about having to create space. So you're expanding that bubble a little bit more by creating space for yoga, which, you know, will bring, you know, mental as well as physical benefit to you. So we've got to push back on the bubble where it feels very tight and closed and, and just breathe air into it. Right. So that it expands and I can build in that self-care and feeling of personal power. Right. So, you know, the perspective that I've had to change with that is what you're speaking about is, you know, it doesn't look like it does. And I, you know, sometimes want to throw a fit about that and, and kind of have internally with, you know, I, I, I don't want to have to create a new routine with this and expand my bubble to have yoga be now by myself in front of a computer screen. I don't want that. And I'm just going to stop my foot about that and go, OK, <sighs> I'm going to breathe through this. So how can I make this enjoyable for myself? And how can I step into it in a way that gives me, because I know I I like yoga and I know that it fills me up in ways, you know, it's, I I call it, you know, therapy, church, and a gym all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And so how do I get my therapy, my church and my gym back uh, in, in, in all at the same time? So. Uh, I'm I'm res- I'm surrendering that that what this looks like right now is um, me and a computer screen. So I'm going to make the best of it. I'm just going to make the best of it. Right. That's just what it is. And and it's okay to be mad about that. Uh, thank you, because I am. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, as I mentioned, the the poll that I the very scientific poll I submitted to my coworkers. You know, I, what I really appreciated is that I can relate to so much of what was written, you know, of course in my own way, but it's like, ah, I'm not alone and, or weird or having some, you know, unique experience of this. And, and I find comfort in that, you know, so one writes that for her, that it has been sort of unnameable, this underlying feeling of anxiety that doesn't ever seem to go away and it's affecting everything. Like I feel that, you know, that, that has what I described as questioning my parenting, you know, that that was anxiety. And it took me a while to be able to figure out that as much as I was working, because at first we, it just work went into overdrive and overtime. Um, and so I didn't have space or time to process that feeling. And I, I felt it and I could feel this heaviness in my chest, but I, I just kept, you know, pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. And so it took a few weeks before I finally like just stopped and took a breath and was like, Wow. I'm scared or, you know, I have a lot of anxiety. And so I was able to start crafting practice to, to work with that. But it's not that it has gone away. Just my understanding and relationship with it has shifted. Yeah. So for me, my experience at the beginning was different. You know, I had just come off of, you know, a lot of restrictions of three years in the foster care system, work, um, fostering to adopt my daughter. And I was looking forward to and um, started to experience more freedoms, you know, from having adopted her and being able to go back to not needing permission to do a lot of things. And then COVID hit. And, you know, I felt it immediately, that, that feeling being back in the restrictive time. And, you know, you on overload with work, not having a- the access I had to mm-hmm. you for that support. Right. And so that contributed to, um, you know, to me and, and you know, uh, my feelings at that time. Well, and I know that's true for some of my, my coworkers, too. When there are small children in the house, you're, you're tag team parenting and working. 
you know, and, and which means your schedules are drifting further and further apart and you don't have that, that time necessarily built in to, to provide support to each other. Um, and one of my coworkers wrote about um, having a definite line between sep- to separate work time from family time. He just feels like he's working constantly all the time without a break. And I know he's taking a break from work during the day to parent and, and to um, homeschool the kids. And so that does, like you're just constantly on. And, you know, for us, before Maddie was back in school, you know, if you have a coaching call and I have a meeting and we can't be disrupted, you know, sometimes we would call on the teenager. Sometimes we try to set her up with a show, you know, sometimes it worked out that it was in quiet time where she was, you know, taking her quote unquote nap. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like a gamble, you know, with a toddler who, you know, has toddler self-control, I'll say toddler style self-control. I don't want to say lack of self-control. It's toddler style. It's <laughs> appropriate, age appropriate. Beautifully put. <laughs> and, you know, so I might think, well, she can, you know, play with me and it's, you know, this meeting is not as critical, so it's fine if she interrupts me a little bit or whatever. But there's no telling when she's going to have a complete meltdown and, and then what? Then it is disruptive to the degree that's not, you know, doesn't work for me. And if you're on a coaching call, you know, sharing and talking about, you know, intimate things with someone, emotional things. And, you know, it's not really doesn't work <laughs> to be interrupted. So it's the having, not having dedicated space and uh, well, space for parenting versus working. And I know so many people are dealing with that juggle, um, juggling that. And then also not having because you're splitting time, then you're not having that time to, to come together. To support each other. Right. Right. So, you know, toddlers, they have needs about every 20 minutes <laughs> for <laughs> mommy and, and those around them. And so, you know, there's that contributes to um, having your on all day long mm-hmm. from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And sometimes in the middle of the night, <laughs> those needs pop up again. So, you know, it's just crashing and, and She's back at school now, and uh, she went back to school last Monday. Mm-hmm. And Tuesday after we left for the radio show, I went home and I hit mm-hmm. my wall. Yeah. <laughs> I think I slept for three hours. Yeah. didn't have any calls on the schedule. And, uh, you know, and, you know, some fear again hit me around where we're at now in this, you know, pandemic because I was so focused every – constantly throughout the day about, you know, with Maddie and – and, you know, what's what needs to be out of the freezer for dinner and um, when's my next call and, and and when can I, you know, get her out for a scooter ride because I need the movement and she needs to get outside. Just balancing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my coworkers who has uh, two small kids at home uh, says it's been hard for lots of reasons. Having to tell my kids, sorry, I can't play right now over and over is just awful. Mm-hmm. Well, that music means it's time for a break, which is good timing because this is one of the posts that made us cry. (laughs) So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Tammy Rising on Voices of Unity. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. 
And we are back with Tammy Rising, life coach, who has her work cut out for her during this pandemic time, right? Um, you know, as we all do. And so we've been talking about taking the idea of practicing principle deeper with our family and work relationships because these are our most pervasive relationships and where we spend most of our time. And, you know, again, I I asked my coworkers if they would be willing to share what has been most challenging for them in terms of adjusting work to work and family relationships during this time. And I've shared some of what they wrote, but I'd like to share some more. It has been difficult working in the same space as my partner, especially when we both have to be in video meetings. Um, so my partner has moved out to the living room for his meetings sometimes, but sometimes we're in the same room and it can be distracting. Also, anxiety is bubbling up under the surface, and I feel like it's been more easily triggered during quarantine, which I can totally relate with and, and talked about that it just when we're like to the max with feelings that it just the the fuse is so much shorter and uh, someone else writes you know I, as I started sharing before the break it's hard for lots of reasons having to tell my kids sorry I can't play right now over and over is just awful whether I'm working or doing crappy adulting things <laughs> trying to be emotionally supportive of them when you can't fix their hurt they miss their friends their lives were turned upside down and it's so hard as a parent not to be able to magically fix it and this is I, I love this it's taken a lot of love compassion and frequent apologies to be to be together so much with our family I can certainly relate to that, you know, grace. This time has just called for so much grace because it's not just our own experience. You know, our family members, our loved ones, our children, and our coworkers are also experiencing this. So we have to, you know, really expand compassion and grace for each other. I know that there are things that I have put off bringing up at work, you know, challenges because I'm like, it just, we're all maxed out. You know, I can't, you know, we can, if it's something that can wait, you know, we can just fix this later or Really, you know, spending extra time trying to figure out how to, you know, make a request in a way that doesn't seem so big or disruptive um, because I can just see that, you know, in so many ways we're all, we're all doing the best we can and, and struggling and it's like, I don't know, trying to manage communication, I think is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, Maddie makes her requests anytime. <laughs> yeah, at the top of her lungs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I... I uh, have been impatient, and um, and I, I've, I've gone back and after that and said, you know, even when mommy gets mad, I still love you. And it was later that day she said to me, so, yeah, you're mad at me and you love me. And it was just a reminder to me of my own grace, <sighs> you know, when I'm feeling horrible that I screamed and was so impatient well, and she's learned that that beautiful skill of triangulation. You know, she'll come, Jax, Jax, can I have you know something that she's already asked you about and it was given an answer. She'll come work it out on me, and also she'll go to Jamie. That's kind of her favorite person. She'll knock knock on Jamie's door. You know, I want a snack. I want some fruit snacks. You know, she's already had two bags. Has <laughs> been told no to a third. <laughs> So there's that, you know, um, and that's her own, you know, sort of survival skills kicking in. And, Absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. You know, having her needs met in the way she wants them met. Um, someone else shares not being able to say goodbye to those that have made their transition, who've passed away during this time. It all seems so unfinished. And that, you know, we've talked about is, you know, we're with the people we live with all the time, but our loved ones, you know, our extended family members and friends, we have been socially, physically distant from, and that takes a toll. There's a fatigue for that. You know, we've canceled trips. Yeah. You know, my family's on the West Coast, and I've had to cancel trips. 
your family's within driving distance and still that's a long way away it's a long way away and you know usually it's every six weeks to two months and you know this has been six months so i have a client who um i've been working with for a year and two years ago she lost her teenage son to a, a gun accident and you know this pandemic is exacerbating her grief and that and she had a birthday last week um we talked the day after her birthday and didn't want to celebrate her birthday and there were friends of hers that couldn't understand why it was her 40th birthday and uh, they they their thoughts were let's really beef this up for her you know since this is a 40th it's a big year you know and she just she just wasn't feeling it and we got on the phone and she was describing that you know she just felt okay about not wanting to do that um and that was a testament to the work she had been doing lately to support her needs yeah. Whew, I'm just taking a deep breath <laughs> through what's coming next and, and feeling that, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I feel very blessed. I haven't lost anyone, but there's been a birth in my extended family, and, you know, I haven't yet to see that baby. And, you know, so there, there's the the tragic of that, but there's also the celebrations, the birthdays that we aren't able to come together for. And, you know, for my coworkers, they, they did a drive-by parade for one of our coworkers who always does up, you know, does birthdays up big for everyone in the department. And so we did it up big for her in the way we could. Um, but it's, you know, it's just hard. It's just challenging. You know, in this very same client, though, it just occurred to me, we were talking last week, the very same person going through all that she's going through, she has been taking some action to possibly enroll in a school because she she um, left her job and decided this is not the path that I want to be on. And working in, in an engineering firm, that wasn't her path, and she was feeling called into something else. And that that she left that job right before, um, right at the beginning of this year. And she, this last month since we talked, she's we talk once a month, her and I, and she had contacted the school, you know, she had been talking to some of the instructors at the school about, you know, what that school looks like. She'd looked into the financial resources there. And so, you know, she's doing what she can right now mm-hmm. in the midst of her own grief mm-hmm. at very at multiple levels. So that's actually supporting her as well. She's still feeling those feelings and she's moving forward into mm-hmm. her new, which is why we started working together in the first place. So she could step into her new and what her life is going to look like now, even though it's never going to look the same right. because of her loss. And for us, for all of us, our life will never be the same either because mm-hmm. of the loss that we've experienced. Uh, maybe physical, you know, people that we've lost, but the loss of this time. Mm-hmm. And the right. things that we've had to cancel. So like many trips. things have been canceled. Trips, mm-hmm. you know, events and, you know, mm-hmm. and at work that's, you know, it's creating its own sort of chaos because also nobody knows exactly when to reschedule. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people immediately just push things out to the fall, to October. But, you know, now there are predictions that there will be, you know, a second wave. And so people are like, I don't know, 2021. And, you know, I think of like. What I kept saying about the fall is like we already have a life to live in the fall and now we're also going to live our spring in the fall. It's going to be so busy. And so now but now it's like, well, we already have a life to live in 2021 and now we're also going to be living 2020 in 2021. <laughs> right, right, you know, right. it's going to be insane. Right. And yeah. And, that, you know, thinking about grief, too. And I said I, I haven't lost anyone personally during this time, but I did lose a dear friend just before this hit. And so in January and and I have missed her, her presence especially during this time. She's, you know, someone I would lean on 
you know, to talk to and, and, you know, commiserate about things. And, and also I think of uh, her, her wife, you know, grieving in this time of isolation and social distancing and also running two businesses. And wow, you know, it just, in many ways, our lives have been stolen from us to the extent we, you know, buy into the illusion that our lives are our own and our schedules are our own, you know, which we all do. And, and it's just been like, it has. All right. I'm going to share some more for my coworkers. This one's a little fun. Um, someone misses, uh, I, I love working from home, she says, and I hope to continue it forever. But I miss the spontaneous shenanigans that would happen in the department. And we know how to do shenanigans. I mean, shenanigans is like our middle name. Okay. <clears throat> like drone flying. <laughs> That's also job-related activity, but... Uh, a putting practice. We do have putting green in our in our work area. And Andy swooshing by on his scooter, someone announcing it's time for a trip to the bookstore for M&Ms. You know, and it's that, just that social interaction, the fun stuff. And, you know, someone else comments that, you know, I love working from home, but I do feel my personal relationships with coworkers has been impacted during this time. It's easy to ask someone in person how their weekend was or share a funny personal story, but it feels disruptive to do that via email or Teams. So my conversations are usually limited work topics, and I feel that too. It does feel like there's less time to just hang out, you know, and when everyone gets on a meeting, you just start the meeting where before we would go a few minutes early and we could talk, chat, or stop by someone's desk, you know, on the way or stop in, like I mentioned, Lila's office for some chocolate. No pressure, Lila. I hope your chocolate, you know, is stocked up and ready, ready for when we return. But we, so we, we lose that personal stuff, even though we're like looking at each other in each other's homes, which in some ways feels like way personal, <laughs> you know, it's just that conversation and that kind of connection is, is for many of us just kind of gone or changed, diminished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, having to carry out all the duties of life in one space. I don't have a designated office and it is hard for me to work and organize other responsibilities in the space I relax in. And wow, we feel that. Oh, there's no mega there's time. no Woo! designated office space. <laughs> and so, you know, and I like change. So, I've got, you know, the sun porch that I like to set up in and also the music room which I've set my desktop in and I can't carry that around like I can my laptop, but then sometimes I like to sit at the dining table um, or on the couch. You know, so I'm just feel like I'm constantly moving around and also adjusting around, you know, where the kids are, where the toddler is and there's just not space. You know, and then it feels like I'm always working because then it's easy if I've got my laptop in the dining room, then when dinner's over for me to just pick it up and get a few more things done. And then it's just like always working. Yeah. You know, I've been working a lot after she goes to sleep at night because, you know, during the day. The toddler, not me. (laughs) (laughs) No, the toddler when she goes to sleep and, you know, with quiet time, not necessarily sleeping. It's the bedtime's been earlier. So there's been work at night. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, I don't coach. Um in busy coffee shops because it's too noisy, but I like to be in the hustle and the bustle and the energy and the vibe and the excitement of, because, you know, when you're in a coffee shop, there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of discussions happening. We know that. And so I like to write in coffee shops. And so that, that's not happening right now. You know, I'm writing with, you know, um, you know, you're, you're across the room working and I'm in yeah. toddler is across the room, you know, on her scooter in the house, running over feet. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the, 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 the girls are, you know, doing what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 
you know, now what I'm doing is I'm listening to music, you know, on my earbuds that is the same vibe that I want or it tunes me into the topic I'm writing about. So, you know, changing the perspective. How can this work for me now? Wah, yeah. Wah. And, and then sometimes you <laughs> sing while you've got the earbuds in so that I'm hearing just your singing. <laughs> I'm like, really? So then I put my headphones on. <laughs> With no music or anything, just put that. Yeah, <laughs> and the singing isn't um, great. <laughs> it's cute, <laughs> but yeah, you know that that sharing of space, which came up a couple times here with um, with my coworkers, and it's just an adjustment. And also it's an invasion to the home, right? To, you know, the sun porch previously was like my Zen room. It was a place to relax. And for Jamie would love to go out there and read and you open up the windows and you hear the birds singing. And, and now it's, you know, a mini studio. There's a backdrop set up and I've got microphones and, you know, all this stuff. And it's hard to put that up and take it down all the time. So I'm more inclined to just leave it up. But then it's all just feels kind of trashed. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, you know, it's temporary. We don't know how long it's going to be temporary. Right. But that's the mindset I'm holding is that it's temporary. And, you know, what if I could do this for – I don't know that I could do it for an indefinite period of time. But I can do it for this short period of time. And I'm telling myself that this will end at some point. Yeah. And that's part of the surrender, right, that practice of surrendering to what's happening now. And you know, we want to get caught up in in finding the answers to what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. And, you know, we're just sort of grasping for certainty and we're in a time of uncertainty. And so surrendering to that, to that knowing um, can be helpful and it sort of takes pressure off. And I can just focus with like today. Does this space work for me today? Does this room work for me today? And. If there's something that's not working today, I can make an adjustment for today, you know, and maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I've done some triathlons before, and, you know, those are broken up into three sections. You know, the, the swim first, the bike second, and the run last. And, you know, so if the swim's hurting, you know, the next two events are really going to stink. They're going to be hard. So it's the surrendering into – you know, in the event I'm in right now and knowing that I've still got two more to go, so I'm going to pace myself. And so I've been thinking about this time right now is, you know, we might have, you know, another stay-at-home order lockdown happen. As right. things are loosening, it's possible they'll tighten right. back up again. And so that comes the next event, right, the bike. And so, you know, how do I pace myself through this? How can we breathe through this and, you know, not push ourselves so hard, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of self-imposed pressure. Yes, right? we can make it harder with the self-imposed pressure yeah. um, to be, um, you know, it, if we're having a meltdown, we're, we're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, what I was also said before is we can't do this wrong. We just do it minute by minute and yeah. day by day and week by week. So and. That- with that same compassion, that just makes me think that I talked about the grace and compassion that we're saying to, to offer each other. We have to give that to ourselves, too. Right. Right. Like, it's totally understandable to look at the toddler and understand why she's, you know, having a meltdown or, you know, for the teenagers to be frustrated with not being able to hang out with their friends. And 
you know, and it's just as easy to judge ourselves for having the same feelings. Like I should, I need to get it together. I need an adult. I've got to be a parent. I have to, you know, work and help shift things at work so that it works, you know, for virtual events, virtual spaces and all of these things. And it's really easy to turn that criticism inward. (laughs) Yeah. You know, right now I'm writing, um, I'm not shared this publicly before, but I guess I will right now. I'm writing a memoir very slowly. I'm in a class to do that. And so um, this last month I wrote about my inner bully because Mm. it was very active, right? We were talking about this inner criticism. So I wrote, you know, six pages about, you know, how she attacks me. And she tells me I need to get out there as a coach and step up and help people in 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 a bigger way. Whereas right now, you know, I'm in a new environment with a toddler home all the time, working with my partner and, you know, also with teenagers in a space that we work and live in Mm 24-7. I just didn't have it in me to get out there and and do what I was putting the pressure on myself to get out there and do. And um, so that inner bully was being um, very, very active. So I just, you know, continue to write about that. And that in itself, like journaling as a spiritual practice, can be healing and can help, you know, know, bring us into a ground or a settle – um, you know, take to take it in stride and with a little more self-compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just had a thought and it just left. <laughs> Do you want me to just keep talking? <laughs> yeah, then? you can keep talking while I, while, I, while I chase after that thought. Where'd it go? Um, well, the inner bully, you know, it's she or he or they can be so loud. And being able to acknowledge the presence of it, that thought you know, and not to violently destroy it, but to acknowledge it and just bring it into the fold, but to not let it drive, which I think we talked about last week, not let it drive. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I um, wrote about later on in that piece was to, um, I, I, I took her on a, an imaginal walk in the woods in my head and said, you know what, come on, you know, I'm not going to try to push you away and hate you because you're a part of me. Yeah. You just, you know, and if I try to push you away and hate on you, then, you know, that's not giving myself compassion. Mm-hmm. So I took her on a imaginal hike in the woods because that's one of my happy places. And there's this shade of the trees that's kind of this protective veil. And so, you know, I just had this conversation with her and I said, hey, you know, you're bullying me and um, I'm going to stand up to you about that and create a boundary and say, I'm taking care of myself right now. I'm in this huge change of my life. You know, there's a lot of restrictions right now. This is very difficult. And, you know, how about we be friends? And how about you go in the back seat? I'm going to drive this car during this pandemic. And you might pop up, and I get that because you've been with me since the beginning of time, you know, (laughs) of me being, you know, just a little child. And and, uh, how about we just take this journey together? But, you know, you're not going to drive. And so, I, you know, I talked nice to her, and that was uh, a practice, you know, of just talking nice to myself you know, during this time. All right. Well, you're letting yourself know that you are taking care of yourself. Like to say that out loud and instead of allowing the feeling of I don't know how to do this or I can't take care of myself or I'm screwing everything up to just say, you know, from your place of wisdom, I'm taking care of things. I'm taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my home and you don't have to freak out right now. <laughs> she was freaking out. <laughs> it just It's okay. Let's take a breath. I'm yeah. taking care of you. You're also letting that part of you that is freaking out know that you are taking care of yourself. 
Exactly. It's, it's a beautiful practice, and it might sound a little weird if you haven't done anything like that before, but it it is so natural when you actually do it because you allow that wisdom self to come forward and, and have the louder voice, you know, and, and the wisdom self is often not you know, prone to shouting. <laughs> no, it's prone to just being a whisper, yeah. being in a whisper and being yeah. quiet. The the higher self that knows uh, what's right for us in any given moment, he or she um, speaks quietly because they're, they're, that's a kind voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a shouting. Right. So if you hear a shouting voice in your head, it's probably the bully or some, some inner pressure or inner criticism you've got going on. We can that goes back to the the tool we've been talking about for two weeks now, which is to breathe through it, yeah, and just recognize oh, who's talking right now, who's talking right now. That's so good, so good. Um, so did you, you? We talked about surrendering to the moment, and um, what about shifting our focus? Is that something? Talked did we talk about that, about that last week? Uh, we like talked my... about it a little bit. Well, we talked about shifting perspective. Shifting perspective. Yeah. We talk, so focus... talked about on Sunday shifting focus. Yes. So we're doing the Sunday Talks, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook at Unity Spiritual Center in Springfield, Missouri. And so that's why I'm getting a little confused because we had a Sunday since before last Tuesday, <laughs> since last Tuesday happened. Wah! And we're working with the same topic because we also have a workshop tomorrow night, which we're going to help people go deeper and find the spiritual tools that work uniquely for them right now because we all have different personalities. All the tools work for all the people. But uh, right now you might have specific tools that you want to identify and find and create a plan around. So I'll put the link. Uh, it'll be a Zoom workshop, of course. So all people are welcome from anywhere if you can access Zoom by phone or your mobile device or laptop or computer, you are absolutely welcome to join us. It is free to register and, and you'll be able to create an action plan for yourself and, you know, some ideas that you'll want to work with to be able to improve your life during this time. And and whether that's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, or, you know, an action-based step. So yeah, when we were sitting and talking about the workshop, we talked about this word resilience yes, and how to build up resilience um, in a challenging time as this. And we take that practice. I mean, we put it to work now, right? This mm-hmm. is the time we, we put our feet out there and and uh, and really practice those those um, spiritual practices. And um, what that means is we're cultivating them inside of us now in a time that's difficult. So that means the cultivation can really set in. And then we take that into our lives in the future. Anytime we have a, a challenge uh, down the road, as well, it's the same. It's the same practice, but we're cultivating it now and setting that into a practice. Yes. So I'm putting right now the link to register for that workshop is on my Facebook page where I um, posted about today's show. So just go into the comments there and you'll see the link and you're absolutely welcome to join us and and bring your voice to that conversation because it will be a conversation. And um, also we're about at the end of our time. So I want to just take a moment to plug next week's show. And next month is Pride Month. And we know so many Pride parades have been canceled already or postponed. Most have been canceled and so at I will be having Pride Month here on Voices of Unity. So it'll be our own Pride Parade here on the show. And it'll be opening on June 2nd, Tuesday, with Christy Snow and Dale Worley, two amazing musicians. And Dale, of course, is a spiritual leader. And they were going to host a an event, an LGBTQ retreat here at Unity Village, and it was canceled. So we're going to bring them onto the show, and we'll talk about some ideas and, and have a great conversation with them. And I've got 
an awesome lineup for the month of June for that. And it's actually my anniversary here on Voices of Unity. I started last month in the last week of May with Ellen Devonport, who was the host at that time. And she asked me to co-host with her for Pride Month. And so we did it. Uh, the last week of May through all of June, but this uh, this year, to, uh, June has five Tuesdays, so we'll get the five weeks in. And so um, then after we finished that, she asked me to take over the show. So it's my one year of being here on Voices of Unity, and it's been just a wonderful experience. And, and a huge thank you to all the listeners for helping to make it such a great experience. And, of course, my longtime callers, Andy and Val, who always love to call in. And, of course, the phone lines have been very quiet today, but... Um, but we've been talking a lot. We have. So maybe we're answering good. questions. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're answering the questions. And, you know, we started with a question from last week. We did. So we did. that was good. But thank you so much, Tammy, for being willing to come on to the show and offer your expertise and wisdom as a life coach and also your heart. You're welcome. And, it's been a joy. Yeah. Really. And also to share openly and candidly about our experience in this. You know, I think, you know, being able to bring that personal element, which is why I also quizzed both of my uh, for both episodes my co-workers about what their experiences are because I think the more we share whew, about how challenging this has been and also some of the victories the, the wins that we've been having the more we help just each other collectively get through this because we are always infinitely more alike than we are different and you know we just have lots of different flavors of that we do we lift each other up when we share that yeah absolutely so that's been a joy. So a big shout out to my coworkers for being willing to share your hearts and allow me to bring that to the show as well. And so I don't know, I I read the quote that I wanted to end with in the first half and just kind of jumped ahead on that. Do you have any final thoughts? Hmm, I did earlier, one that had come to me. Well, I'd like to leave the show with a blessing, maybe. Yeah. A blessing for people during this time to know that you have the wisdom within you to create a reality that works for you during this time to lift yourself, to edify your family, and and really thrive through this challenge that is the COVID pandemic and not just survive, but to be the fullness of the potential of the divine that expresses through you in each and every moment. So until next week, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.